Charlotte is with me, number four. Charlotte, my daughter's here, right there. Um, she is the baby of the, the, the tribe, right there. And uh, so it's good to have a partner in crime. And uh, if anybody doesn't know me, so I'm, I'm Brian. I'm part of the team uh, at Open Arms Church. And uh, I do a lot of speaking and chittering and yakking about. And, and that's it. And also to say, rather selfishly, before I get stuck in, I am finishing off this master's thing, right? And I think some of you may have received an email about helping me fill out a survey. If you've received that email, please, would you fill it out and send that back? If you'd like to be part of the survey, come and see me afterwards. And I'll send you the link. And that'll be, it's anonymous. It's just a link. It's a Google form. Dead easy. Anyway, that's enough selfishness of this moment of the platform. And so I want us to read to Romans 12. I'm going to read verses 1 to 12. And uh, just by way of just kind of teeing this up, as you know, we're, we're kind of in between series. Uh, we, uh, churches, and we're no different, we're on a preaching series throughout the year. We're kind of in, in between. And so when I was talking to Pastor Sean about kind of his heart for, you know, what, what's, what does anything that particular sort of themes or emphasis in, in this kind of season. Uh, it was very much just, hey, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. And so um, obviously we'll go through devotions and daily Bible readings and so on. And just with the, the book that I'm using right now, there was this verse, okay, as I was going through my own kind of devotions that just, sometimes you, you look at a text and it, it, you know, and it looks, it's fantastic and the Holy Spirit brings something out. And then sometimes there is just where this verse leaps at you. It almost kind of grabs you and says, hey, I want you to preach me, preach me, preach me. And, and this is kind of, there's a verse in the middle of these, this text that we're going to read that has done that. And, and I'm hoping, and I think it's more like it's, it's, it's a word for us. It's a word for me, certainly. Uh, but it's definitely me, and I'll admit this, it's a word I'm, I'm going to take to other churches because I feel it's got a capital C emphasis on it based on uh, where we're headed and what, what the Lord is doing in Ireland and around the world even at this moment. So the verse is in here and we'll come to it in a moment. But if you're ready, uh, Romans 12, verses 1 to 12. Let me also say this, everybody. Uh, as I've talked about before, as we teed up the book of Colossians, again, Paul was the author uh, of the book of Colossians as he was to Romans. Romans is probably his magnus opus. It's the, it's the principal book. And um, in ancient literature, what you'll know is that, uh, well, you may or may not know, as I've learned this myself recently, that we put all the conclusions and all the big stuff at the end. When you were writing this back then, you put all the conclusions in the middle. Uh, and so when you get to Romans, the middle of Romans is chapter 8. It's kind of the pinnacle. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it goes on into we are more than a conqueror by our spirit. We can cry, Abba, Father, all, all of that stuff. What a pinnacle right there. And then you come down off the mountain into chapters 9, 10, and 11. And then you go back up a little bit of a pinnacle here uh, because chapter 12 is all the practical application of everything Paul has just explained in chapters 1 to 11. So he does this all the time. You'll find Paul will address the tension in the book, then he'll address the theology around the tension, and then he will address how we are to live in the light of everything that the theology suggests. And so now we're at that practical part of Romans, okay? It's where verse 1 of chapter 12. And he writes this, therefore, and that's why the there is therefore, okay? That's the reason for the therefore. It's because I want you to see it's tied to everything that's just gone before. Therefore, in light of everything, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything you've just learned about the mercy of God in chapters 1 to 11, the result of keeping that in view then is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So the, the sacrificial system has not ended with the New Testament, okay? It's no longer a sacrifice for sins. What we have is a sacrifice for service, amen? That's it. That's what the Bible is all about. We want to offer our bodies as this living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
And then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed as you're living and moving trans, formed, but reshaped as we do life by the renewing of our mind, okay? Not by the renewing of our habits, but a renewing of our belief systems, okay? You want to change your behavior, we must begin to change what we believe, all right? And the Bible and the scripture and Christianity for me is the only thing in the world today that can change a life. Because it begins with the inside and then moves out. Everything else wants to change how you do and move and live and habit, but the Bible wants to change what you believe, okay? And as a result of that, then you can, the Lord will change your life. Anyway, uh, so be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And here we have this, and this is kind of, I know I'm kind of going off a little bit on a couple of these things, but it's amazing here because we get the essence of the will of God. Sometimes we ask, what is the will of God for my life? Anyone ever wondered that? What, what is the will of... Now, sometimes, the, sometimes the, you know, the, the specific details of the will of God sometimes are a little bit more opaque. Um, but what we have here is the essence of God's will for your life. God's will is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect, everyone. So you, we may not know the specific detail of God's will from your life from moment to moment. What I can tell you is that God's will for you, well, I tell you, it is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. And that's just good to know. That's just good to know. And then verses 3 all the way to 8 then are about service. And so he says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He's talking about the church. We have within the church then different gifts, amen? amen. We might have, no, it says we have we definitely have different gifts. That means all of us have gifts. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift, and he lists a few, is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then encourage, give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously to lead diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. No one likes an unhappy mercy giver. Okay, hello. Okay, okay. no one does that, all right? And then love and action, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. It's more than an emotion. Love is only love when it's given. Yes, because love eventually stops being a feeling. Okay? Love is a doing word. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And everyone, it is verse 11. When I read verse 11, okay, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And it's this verse that just grabbed my attention and says, I want to be preached. It's an amazing thing. And as I began to think about this and began to you know, ask God and to pray a little bit around it, what becomes clear to me is that the future of the church, everyone, cannot be built on compromise. 
The future of the church can't be built on second guessing. It can't be built on on double mindedness. You and I both know today that the world is becoming increasingly more complex. And if we are to shine all the brighter, we need to turn up the intensity of our faith, turn up the intensity of our zeal and our fervor. We need to come to a place of refanning into flame that which God has put into every single one of us. As the world gets darker, I believe the Lord is going to turn up the intensity of the church. I believe the church is heading into one of its most profound seasons that it's ever seen in terms of growth and salvation and revivals and outpourings of the Holy Spirit. I really genuinely mean that. And I want to be on the bus. I, I want to be there. I want to be part of what God is doing, not just in open arms, but in Ireland and around the world. And I know this, that all of you are in this with me. I don't believe that I'm sp- speaking to anyone who doesn't want to go. I don't believe I'm speaking to anybody who doesn't want to be used by God. Lord, you're using me too much. Please back. I don't think anyone is in the room, okay? What we need to do then, everyone, is to be uh, never lacking in zeal, but keeping our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Uh, But we've all sorts of problems, though. It can be difficult. And I read this story recently, and it put the whole thing into perspective for me. It's about a church in the southern states of, of America. And we've all seen this type of church, everyone. It's kind of like the, we've got the bell towers out there, white painted, sort of tongue and groove, paneled walls. You know, the classic kind of countryside church. And anyway, whatever happened one night, this church went up in flames. It went on fire. The pastor is on an overnight trip. They're on the phone to him. You better come back. He's driving. And there's a, by now, there's kind of a crowd gathering around the church. Church and there's nothing that can be done to save this. They're just going to let it flame out and burn out. And so the pastor pulls up and he's, he's going to round the crowd that has gathered to watch this church. And he's comforting people. And, you know, he's like, are you okay? Oh, that's terrible. La, la, la. And he meets this one older guy, okay? And it was a guy who hadn't been to church in a, quite a while. And so the, the pastor rocks up and he said to him, you know, isn't this terrible, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the man turns around and says, you know, pastor, I'm so sorry. I haven't been to church in a while, but I'm never missing this. I wasn't missing this. And the pastor goes, well, why would you not want to miss this? He says, because it's the first time I've seen this church on fire. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that terrible? I'm not sure how I'd take that. Isn't that incredible? And we all know, I don't think anybody in this room right now has ever seen literally a church go up in flames, and I hope that you haven't, and I hope and I pray that you never, ever will. But we all know what it is to be a church on fire. We all know what it is to see people on fire. I don't mean the the bricks and mortar. I'm talking about the ecclesia, the called out ones, the the you and I, the people, the followers of God, the the Christians, the, the people who are called out to gather together in worship and in service to the Lord. The ecclesia, what it means to be a church on fire. I believe for some of you in the room today, and the title of this talk actually is, I want to set the world on fire. I believe God wants to set or reset, ignite or reignite the fire within you, that there's going to be a fanning of into flames into your heart and mind today that we're going to encourage you to sustain. 
You see, if I was going to describe a church on fire, I'd use words like vibrant or active in the community, maybe engaging services. People there are optimistic. They're hopeful. They are faithful. And what I mean is they are full of faith. There's a sense of unity and passion. And you will have your own descriptive words about what all it means. But if I was thinking about Paul, and if Paul was going to describe a church that is on fire, I think he'd throw a little bit of verse 11 in there. I really do. I think a church that's on fire to Paul is a church that's never lacking in zeal and a church that keep, it's keeping that it's kept its spirituals fervor as it's serving the Lord. And so as I began to look at this verse and began to study it a little bit, and you, you pull a commentary here or two and a couple of books and whatever else you've got to do to get to the nitty-gritty and to the inside of it, a wonderful thing happened, everybody. All of the commentators agreed. Okay, and I've got to tell you, that's, a, that's kind of a, a rare thing, but it was an exciting thing because they all coalesced their opinions and their interpretations around similar themes when it came to verse 11. And I learned some new things for me. So let me just look at, at the word zeal, okay, what the word zeal means. And we kind of maybe understand this already. It means enthusiasm. Do you ever meet an enthusiastic person? Haven't you? Aren't they draining? You know, someone who's always up all the time. You know, life is Valdery. I'm walking a knapsack on my back. A stranger's just a friend I don't know yet. I've got a face like an apple. You know, bright and shiny. You know, these people, oh, annoying. And enthusiasm, or it means earnest endeavor. People who are full of earnest endeavor about everything they do. Now, we need more enthusiasm, amen? Anyone coping with too much earnestness? I didn't think so. Me either. Okay. Zeal means enthusiasm or earnest desire, earnest endeavor. And Paul says, never lag, never lose that. Okay. But look at fervor. Look at what fervor means. It means to boil. Literally in the Greek, boil. Okay. Boil or burn. And in the context of our verse, what Paul is saying is, do you know what? There is something that goes on inside of you, like a burn or a boil, that bubbles up out of your life. Never lose your fervor. It's an incredible thing. And there's so many things that come against us, and we'll look at that in a moment. This is what it means. Look at the amplified version, right? This, I love the amplified. The amplified version doesn't change the meaning. It just makes it louder, okay? It amplifies it. It's never lag. Never lag in zeal, okay, and in earnest endeavor. And then it says, be aglow, don't you love it? And burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Yeah, get your head under that, couldn't you? You're apt, never lag in zeal. And this, this is something that we have. This is like something we can be part of and experience every day of our life, everyone, by, by virtue of being a follower of Jesus, by being a vessel which inhabits the Spirit of God or the Spirit of God lives in us. This is a status we can have. But the reality is that when I hold this verse up to my own life, when I hold it up like a mirror, I discover what I'm going to call the lit lag cycle. Because on a Sunday, I can come across as lit. But then on a Monday, oh, you could be all about the lag. I could be lagging in zeal. There's a phenomenon happens, pastors, on Mondays. 
On Fridays, we're like thinking the sermon. Saturday, it's all about church and the sermon. Sunday, we give the sermon. We do church. And then Monday, all the zeal, all the faith, all the adrenaline is emptied. And on Monday, we're not sure what our name is. We're not sure if Jesus is real or whether the church is a good idea. Now, we're okay by Wednesday. Don't panic. But you see, Monday, lit to lag, lit to lag. And sometimes things happen in life that try to steal your lit and cause you to lag. Amen? Does anyone else in the room want to be honest and go, yeah, that's me? Come on now, don't lie to me. That's all of you in this room, okay? Don't lie to Brian, okay, right? We go from lit to lag. I'm serious. Now, the girls are going to be lit on Saturday. <laughs> Given a wee bit of all of that, I don't want to be a fly on that wall. I'm serious, okay? <laughs> Lots of, they'll be bouncing in here on Sunday morning. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But we can go from lit to lag in a moment. But I know this, that any length of lag causes spiritual drag. Amen? I don't want a spiritual drag. Because if the world's going to get darker, I want to get brighter. I want to burn. I want to boil with more of what God wants to do through my life. Amen? That's what we want to do. But all of us, we struggle with this. Sometimes we, we find ourselves more lagged than lit. You know, I, I'm okay by Sunday, but by Sunday evening, I can feel it starting to lag away again. I turn up to work, it's all gone. I turn up to school, it's all gone. Turn up to college, it's all over. I, when I, suddenly, I find myself, I'm lit one day and I'm lagging six days, or I'm lit three days and whatever. Some of us in this room, we have been lagging so long, we don't remember what it's like to be truly lit. We don't. And there are others in the room that you've been so messed up and, and hurt and broken and so on, that I don't want to be lit anymore. I was lit. I was on fire. But that person, that church, that circumstance, that moment that I never thought would happen to me, it stole my flame, it pushed out my fire, and I'm just dragging what semblance of faith I have around for my life. We don't want to go there anymore. Today is a word for you Today is like healing for some of us in the room. God wants to reignite your fire. And I don't mean to, he's going to make you smile all day long. It's not what it's about at all. It's about constancy. It's about maintaining faith within you, no matter what happens around you. That no matter what comes at you in your life, we will never be lacking in zeal. That we will always maintain our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's what it's really, really all about. God wants to set your word on fire. So this sermon has only one point. Can I get an amen? amen? Normally three. You know it is. And you only get one, okay? No, it's a big point. It's a deep point. I want you to get yourselves mentally and intellectually ready for this homiletic masterpiece of a point. Are you ready? Here's the point. You ready? Get lit. That's it. Just get lit. I want to be on fire, but just get lit. I mean, I can't, I can't do anything else. That's it. I've got no story. I've got nothing, right? Get, just get lit. We want to get lit. Anyone want to get lit? Is there anyone in church who wants to get lit? Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, right? But when I lag, right? And if I lag for, you know, more than I should, more than I know better, I tend to blame three things. Now, I'm sure there are more. You will have others, okay? But I tend to blame three things, okay, for my lag. And here they are. Number one is the world, okay? Anyone ever just think, why does this 
always seem to happen to me. Right? Every year, I like to have a theme from the Lord for my life, okay? I don't have a theme this year other than car breakdowns. That seems to be the theme for Brian in 2024, okay? So as you know, with our family dynamic, we have had a, a collection of seven-seater wagons over the years, okay? We, we, when they were small, the amount of stuff needed just to leave the house was vast, right? 500 kilos of prams and stuff. And so we needed a Chrysler Grand Voyager. It had a big boot, right? All went in there. As the kids got bigger, the kind of boot we needed got smaller. So we moved to a Kia Sedona. Beautiful thing. Lovely black, shiny, whatever. We wrecked that to an inch of its life. And right now, we have then the latest iteration, which is a smaller, um, what is it? A Mazda 5 Venture Sport. And all the men went, oh, I don't know. Google that. That looks lovely. Said no one ever, okay? And that's what it is. That's, and so this year, I took it to the garage just to get it serviced. And he came back with a list, a long list of things that it needs. The wiper motor start, you know, remember that big storm? Remember the big storm we had a while ago? So I'm, I'm, we were driving from Bambridge back to Derry and the wiper stopped. The wiper stopped on that night. <laughs> Jesus, please. <laughs> Take the wheel and the wipers. Just please, something happened. Seriously. And I got the list. It needed brakes and things. It needed a bushing, whatever a bushing is. It needed a, a track rod, whatever that is. I don't even know. Don't know. I don't know even where to put the water in. Useless. Okay, no clue. I get, I, he goes, takes the car, two days, three, maybe three. I don't know. He had it forever. And I said, look, I need it back by Friday. Hockey starts. Kids are at work. They need to get out, drive, etc. Right? He says, no problem at all. I'll have it for Friday. Friday, five o'clock, no sign. Half five, no sign. I'm like, where's that car? He says, I'm staying late, especially for you, whatever. We get the car, 6.30. The thing's purring like a cat. Beautiful, all sorted, happy days. Sarah takes the car out to meet her friends. Ding, 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 ding. WhatsApp group, Somerville WhatsApp group. Not two hours. There's a picture of the driver's side door. Oh, yeah, I can see you. Oh, you can laugh. <laughs> and I can show you the picture. On, on this door, there is like three, it's like, it's like someone took a pitchfork, like a big wide one, and went, uh, into the side. There's just three pinpoints on the side of the door. And I'm like, I'm lit now. <laughs> I wasn't lagging. I was lit. <laughs> this thing is just two hours out of the garage. What did you do? <laughs> Whatever, right? Anyway. I'll end the story by saying, I went out to the car on Saturday morning, okay? And I think the Holy Spirit said, if that man sees this door, he's going to have a breakdown. And somehow, they were all gone. They'd bounced out. Amen. <laughs> they had, because he knew my mental health would not cope. And so, they all, not a mark, not a thing. I've got the picture to show, I'll prove it. All gone. Incredible thing. But we all have those, you have your version of the Mazda 5 story. Why is it like that? Why are there just seasons and things just happen to me? And they come not even in threes. They come in fours and five and six. And there's just things. Why won't the visa land? Why won't the job come? Why won't the kids turn to faith? Why, 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 why does it always seem? What, what about the world? What about the church though? If I begin to lag for time, sometimes I, I look at the church and I begin to blame the church for my lack of faith. Church can be a very difficult place to build your faith in. Yes? 
the last time you were preaching. I'm serious. It is. I'm, I'm telling you. Unless we begin to understand what church is all about. If we come to church to receive, consistently here to receive, sooner or later, the church is going to not deliver. And it'll be the church's fault when the fault is our faulty expectations. Amen? The church is not here for us to receive. The church is here for us to give, to give glory unto God, to, to be that place where we come and gather as the called out ones and worship Him for His goodness to us all throughout the week, busted door or not. Amen? That's what the church is all about. It's a place where we come to praise and to worship, to hang out, to rub off each other and to grow in faith and to encourage and to admonish and to build up. It's there to give. It doesn't matter who's preaching, what song, who's on the guitar, who's on the drum. It's irrelevant. If we can get a parking space or whether we can't, it's irrelevant, everyone. We're here to give glory to God. That's what it's all about. But as soon as we become a consumer of the church, there's a Sunday coming. Oh, that church, they never, they nonsense. They just maybe didn't this week. They never see me. They don't love me. They don't play songs that I like. I'm used to him. I like the new stuff. I don't like this. Don't like her. Don't like him. Don't like the, 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 the. Coffee was cold. Run out of car parking tickets. Kids was full. Kids was empty. Kids was dead. Don't like the hotel. Welcome getting to Sandyford. Can I tell you something? See when we get into Sandyford, it's all the same. You got a toilet. Going to see the head. We're still there. The problem when we move buildings is we move. And this is still here. Amen. Church is about giving unto God. And so if I begin to think I'm going to be a consumer anyway, and then other people, other people. I can blame other people. Can you blame other people? What's their fault? It's maybe, and you know what? Maybe at the start of it all, it was their fault. But you're still carrying stuff. And what about this one? I said this in the first service. What about you have a friend who was offended by someone, you've taken on their offense, they're free now, and you're not. And you're still bitter by their offendedness. That's called transferred. Anyone ever had transferred annoyance? It didn't happen to you, it happened to your friend, but you're annoyed for them. They're no longer annoyed, and you're still annoyed. What is with that? Hello? And then sometimes we think like, why do they always seem to get the blessing? Why are they always the shiny family? Always smiling. Why do they always have the nice dinner on Instagram? You know that the thigh shot from the beach, you know that one where they put their feet up? They're skinnier than me. Why is it always, and why are their, their children always angelic with halos. What, what, what is what? And then look at your tribe eating themselves. <laughs> you know, that's just what it seems like. Why, why didn't I make the WhatsApp group? Girls, get in that WhatsApp group. Do not be left out, although you'll be offended here next Sunday and I can't, I can't manage it. I, didn't, I wasn't invited to the party. Never been, have you ever not been invited to something? Everybody else went. And you didn't even make, you didn't even texted. Then it's awkward.com the rest of the week as you tiptoe around. Oh, well, when I landed. We've all been there. The problem is, everybody, that when, when, you, when you look at these things for far too long, your lit becomes a lag. 
Your faith begins to seep away. Your spiritual enthusiasm dampers with everything else. And it's incredible. It's, it's a real problem. What we need to understand, first of all, about the world is, everybody, it was here first. The world is not set up to steward your happiness. It's not here. It's, it's not designed to steward your joy or to build your faith. Sure, the world is full of wonder, and we've got to see the Grand Canyon, we've got to take a holiday, we've got to explore the forest and do all the nice things, get our feet wet in the sea, all of the great stuff that the world does, but it is not responsible for your faith. Amen? Circumstances are going to come, and they're going to go, and they will never build your faith. They'll never sustain your faith in the long term. Amen? It really is. Lit becomes a lag. The church, I've already hit the church, but just by way of reminder, the church, capital C, exists as a place for you to gather to give. And of course, when we do give, of course we receive. Of course we're encouraged, I hope. And of course faith is built. We serve and, and our gifts and we bless and we're on guitar, we're leading worship, we're on the kids, we're media, the guys there. We're all serving and we're glorifying. Of course we are. But the primary driver for us, when with eyes open on Sunday morning lying on the bed, is I need to get to church to give. It's never going, who's preaching? I wonder who's in worship. Look, I don't know. You tired? Is it a bank holiday tomorrow? A long weekend. Oh. Duvet Cathedral. Let's just stay in St. Duvet's. Huh? You're all laughing because it's true. <laughs> We've all said it, including me. Sometimes pastors like a Sunday off. Do you know? And that's shocking. <gasps> You're going to hell. Okay. We come to give primarily. And of course, in the giving, we receive. And then other people, other people, other poor substitutes for God. We're made in His image. That ends there. Amen. That's our value. That's our dignity. That's our esteem. That's why we can feel dignified and why we can have significance and why we have a right to live and move and have our being is that we're made in the image of God. We don't, not in His likeness, but in His nature. Amen? That's what it's about. But if we look for other people and other... Inf and there's never been so many other people to look at and be influenced by in the world today. Seriously, how many people are we following? How many people are we scrolling and looking at on TikTok and, and, and what else have we got? We have, what's the other one? Instagram, YouTube, whatever. I mean, honestly, the world is full of people trying to tell you how to live. And they're not gods. And, and they can't be trusted to give you the outcome that Jesus can give you. Amen? If you're going to have a thinner body, if you will just try keto, it'll change your world. If you try paleo, that's going to change your world. You try carnivore diet, that's going to change your world. You go carb loading, that's ah, going to change your world. Well, which is it? Is it keto? Is it carbs? Is it protein? Is it what? What is it? It's a calorie deficit, by the way. But seriously, though, <laughs> that's actually it. Stop eating. <laughs> Forget about the diet. Forget the name. But so many voices, so many people, so many. But there's only one God. It's the only one author and bringer of life. And he, he, I mean, he's not on TikTok. He's on this. He's on every page. He's on every... You want to be influenced by something? He's on every page. Amen? Yes. 
So the way we get lit then, the way we move from this lagging to lit, and again, there's no genius at all in this next state. Well, this is how we do it. It's as simple as this. Look at this. Instead of looking at, at what the world, the church, and the other hasn't done, we fix Hebrews 12. means to glue. means to fasten. Verse 2. We fix our eyes on what Christ has done. That's what we do. And i got to be honest, I was in the middle of my minor meltdown about the car. The car door, and look, look, look at this. The thing is just out of the carriage. Look at this. And this ticker tape went across my mind. You ever get this? In view of God's mercies. Church, it was my own sermon biting me back. And honestly, it, it arrested me. It stopped me in the moment. I'm like, oh, in light of everything Jesus has done, a car door. I want to stay lit. I don't want to let my lit go to a lag because of a door. Amen? We've got to remember it. So let's look at Romans 12, verse 1. Paul writes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything that Jesus has done, okay, offer your bodies, throw your whole selves onto the altar, everywhere you go as a living sacrifice, on fire. Sacrifices are meant to burn. To get the benefit of the sacrifice, we have to have the benefit of the burn. We're meant to release an aroma. We're meant to boil and to burn. He says, this is your holy and it's pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, let's Listen to the Amplified Version. This is Drama 101. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and I beg you. So he's going for it. We miss the emphasis when we get used to Romans 12 and the NIV. He says, I'm begging you. There's everything within Paul. I want you to get this. In light of Jesus, in light of his cross, in light of his salvation, in light of breaking the power of sin, in light of breaking the power of death, in the light of his redesignation of you as Abba, as a son or a daughter of the living God, in light of no more condemnation, in light of being called more than a conqueror, in light of the reality that nothing can separate you from his love, in view of all of that, not the car, not the other, not the world, not whatever, in view of all of what Jesus has done, make a decisive dedication. Make a moment. Church, make today this moment for you where I'm going to make a decisive dedication or rededication back to God, back to whoever he is. I'm done with lag in my life. I'm done with lag. I'm tired of lit, lag, lit, lag, lit, lag. I just want to be lit. Of your bodies, presenting all your members, your brain and flesh, gifts, muscle, sinew, all of it. Okay, as a living sacrifice, living, smoking. You're smoking hot, I am. <laughs> holy, <laughs> devoted, consecrated, set apart, holy ground, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, which in the Greek, it means rational, and it means intelligent. That's not emotion-driven. It's everything-driven, everybody, service, and it's your spiritual worship. That's what we want to do, everybody. I don't, want, I don't want lag and then let and then lag and like let. 
all of these mercies of God, they're designed to bring us to a place this afternoon of, of devotion. Where maybe even for some of us, the front here, when they get worship back up in a second, can become a, a place of an altar. Where some of you might go, you know what, well, I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I can see myself in some of this. And I want to make a decisive dedication, a decisive declaration before the Lord. I'm ending lag in my life. Because here's the rub, everybody. The thing is that Paul's encouraging us, we have to do it. Never be lacking in zeal, but you keep your spiritual fervor. Paul talks about this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 2, or 5 or 6 or thereabouts. He says, fan into flame. I, I brought the fire with the laying on of my hands. Now you have to keep woofing it and throwing fuel on it, living in such a way as to attract the flame. When, when, when the fire of God fell upon Solomon's dedication of the temple, fire fell from heaven, boom, lit the altar. And it says thereafter, and the priests every day sustained the fire. We need to sustain what the Lord starts. And the primary driver for that is that we keep in view the mercies of God in Jesus. That's how we do it. But it wouldn't be finished, and I'm nearly there. I need to say this, everybody. Some of us, we're on fire. We are lit. But the flame you're lit with is unauthorized. Some of us, we are playing with unauthorized fire. And the thing about this is that if we play long enough with unauthorized fire, chances are that it will consume you and you will lag all the days of your life. There's this really alarming story in Leviticus 10. Aaron, Moses' brother, he's like the, the high priest guy. And his two boys who were helping him in church. And the sons were called, in verses 1 and 2, chapter 10, Leviticus, it says, Nadab and Abihu. And they took the censers, these kind of sort of fire bowls, if you like, and they put fire in them, like ashes and like a barbecue. You can imagine the scene, the kind of ashy smoke fire thing going on in them, okay? And then they added incense to them, and then they put this fire before the Lord. But the Bible says the fire was unauthorized, contrary to the Lord's command. So out from the fire of God, poof, fire came out from God's presence and took them out. It consumed them, killed them. Poof. When we consistently burn with the flame of anger, Sooner or later, the anger will redefine who you are, and you'll become known as the person with the anger. When we burn long enough with offense and bitterness and betrayal, and the reality is you are justified, hear what I'm saying, in some senses for feeling, that, feeling like that initially because perhaps what has happened to you is just real-time awful. You have been betrayed. That you have a right, in some senses, in some world, to feel bitter. I'm not talking about those emotions, reactions to the moment, and as you're working through, you know, all that happens to our humanity. But we're, we have it so long that it, it becomes like a filter through which we view all of life. 
When you're bitter for so long, you become cynical of everything. We get a cynical spirit. Fuck. You don't mean that. That's not true. That's not, and you're so judgmental. When we burn with pornography and it's a thrilling burn in the moment. Heart racing, pupils dilated, and the rest. And then when it's done, the guilt and the galloping shame and the regret is almost overwhelming. And the subsequent action and reaction to that is then hiding. Sin causes us to hide. We hide who we are. We hide from our spouses and we hide away from our friends. We hide our personality. We hide the, the who we want to be. And, and the thing about all of this, the porn or the bitterness or the offense, or the, and, and this is what I believe with all of my heart, None of you want it. None of you want to live with it. You don't. You're asking for a way out. But it comes up on the feed, I'm away. I see their picture, I'm away. I, see, I hear their name, oh, I'm away. And lit is definitely lag. It's unauthorized fire for so long. And we need to allow the fire of God to fight your fire because I'm going to tell you, his fire is greater than your fire. Amen. Amen. And if you will let him stand before him and go, Lord, I am on fire with an unauthorized flame. Please light me up. Either he'll move right now or he'll begin today a process towards your freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's what this is all about. That is what this is all about. It really, really is. Worship team, you're free to come right back up. Isn't it, isn't it time? In the light of all that God wants to do, everybody, isn't it time to come and end lit lag cycle? And I'm not saying that you walk out of here and there's something going to happen tomorrow. Of course, stuff's going to happen this week. I can guarantee, I need a prophetic word for that. I'm telling you now, stuff is going to happen this week. That if we linger and look at it, and we, we look at it longingly, and for too long, we could find our lit becoming a lag. What God is saying today is, you know, you don't have to do that. We want to live in the light of the mercies of God, fixing our eyes on Him. But the car runs out of petrol. You're on the M50, and it breaks down please don't be a prophetic word for me. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Kids crash the car. They need more money. Redundancy notice at work. You've got a scary cough. You're worried about your health. a fire in you. 
there's a fire in you that's not dependent on our eyes fixed on those things, but fixed on Him. Amen? Isn't it time we come to the altar? Isn't it time that we end this in Jesus' name? Isn't it time that we come to a place of dedication or rededication to the Lord and say, Father, I don't know what's going to happen this week or next week or beyond, but I know this, that I am lit in Jesus' name. Amen?